Hello friends, I have an exciting conversation to share with you today. I recently had the opportunity to sit down on the other side of the microphone and be a guest on the Journey with Jared podcast. The Journey with Jared podcast highlights individuals of all walks of life through different stages of their own journey. Jared asks thought-provoking and at times difficult questions and covers topics that are not spoken about often enough through our mainstream society. In this conversation, Jared and I talked about my personal journey, setting boundaries, the biggest lessons I learned from traveling, why I started my podcast, and more. You can check out the Journey with Jared podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor. Hi, everyone. Welcome to journey number eight. Um, We just did a restart because I totally screwed up the name right off the bat. Uh, But today we are joined by Emma Krebs. (laughs) Hello. Don't even worry. (laughs) How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited that you're here. Um, I've been looking forward to this and this is the first time that it's somebody outside of call it like my circle that I'm actually interviewing. Oh, no way. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, uh, I guess starting off here, just love to hear a little bit more about yourself, you know, kind of where you grew up, um, what you're doing now, what kind of kid you are, everything like that. Totally. This is, this is my first time kind of answering these questions. So um, it'll be a new experience for me as well. Um, so I'm Emma. I've grown up. I was born and raised here in Calgary and had kind of your average childhood. Um, very fortunate to have a very close family, um, a really strong foundation. When I was in about grade six, though, my parents did divorce. So that was an interesting experience to navigate. Um, but in some regards, it did bring us all closer together and more honest with each other. And then I went through school and everything like that. And as I began to get older, my passions and my interests really started to begin to manifest within my life. So after I graduated high school, I actually went to school for holistic nutrition. So I was vegan at the time. um, And I was fascinated by food. I still am. um, But more the aspect of holistic living, I'm really interested in personally. So I finished that. I'm a certified holistic nutritionist, which is amazing. And then I pursued something I had wanted to do since I was 17, which was go to Australia. For some reason, I had a calling to go there. And so I booked a one-way ticket, packed a carry-on bag, and I headed to Australia. Didn't know how long I was going to go for. And I ended up staying for two years. So um, it was a life-changing experience for sure. And then since I have arrived back from Canada due to my visa ending, um, as of January of this year, I actually started my very own podcast, which is called The Curious One Podcast. And that's a a quick summary of how we got to where we are today. So, yeah. Super cool. (laughs) Um, And so holistic nutrition. Yes. Can you explain a little bit about what that means? And you said, you know, kind of living holistically and, um, you know, this whole concept around that. Can you just explain a little bit about what that means to people? Totally. Yes. Um, so holistic living is holism as in mind, body, and spirit. So the aim with holistic nutrition is aligning your mind, body, and spirit through nutrition. Okay. I was always fascinated by nutrition, as I said, and I think around the age of 17, I had gone vegan um, and I was vegan for about three years during the time of, of nutrition school as well. And it kind of will tie into maybe my podcast and everything, but I would find myself Googling things and researching things. I would read books at 17 about food and all my friends thought I was a bit weird and I was, I get excited by like superfoods. And so, um, I didn't find the generic university college kind of route like aligned with myself. So once I discovered that there's alternative medicine as well as alternative schooling and etc., um, I discovered CSNN, which is the school I went to, so Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. And I went there and yeah, sorry, I didn't really answer the question, but it's aligning mind, body, and spirit with nutrition. But that also ties into like diet and lifestyle supplementation, spirituality, um, other practices as well. If that kind of answered it. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And you said, so you were vegan, not vegan anymore? Not vegan anymore. After I attended the school, I actually transitioned back to eating animal products. Okay. Um, yes. 
and just kind of curious because it's actually a world that I've let's say dip my toe in more mm-hmm. so just by talking to people and not actually trying it myself but you know what was you know it seems to be gaining so much momentum um mm-hmm. you know, especially the last couple of years and you know what what made you decide to go vegan and then you know what what made you decide to transition out of it totally going vegan it was a really long time ago um probably it was documentaries that really began educating myself on where my food was coming from and questioning what it was I put in my body. I always knew I liked food and it was kind of when I was dabbling into eating healthier and I always was active as a kid so I would work out and I wanted to fuel my body properly. So I started watching documentaries, all of them, Food Inc., What the Health, like everyone's seen them and I was getting angry because there was this information I never really had thought of or been given throughout my life. And so I think it was mainly those those that really pushed me. And then I started educating myself on um, nutrition and veganism and what it was. And I really aligned with it. To be honest, I never really enjoyed eating animal products either. So kind of an excuse not to eat chicken. I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to kind of bite my, or sorry, um, talk out of both sides of my mouth though. But so I was vegan for about three and a half years. And I my relationship with food really transitioned into not a healthy place. Um, if something was vegan, I thought it was healthy, even if it was a bag of sweet chili heat Doritos or Oreos, which are both vegan in Canada. And I found myself just not eating enough uh, macronutrients and not eating enough calorically. And just my relationship with it was really warped. And so um, it was starting to manifest in my body. I was always cold. My friends would tell me I looked really fatigued and I had bags under my eyes and I just wasn't fueling myself in the correct way. And I really did just, my body was craving animal products again. So I slowly transitioned. I began eating eggs for a long time and I slowly ate chicken and then I introduced the meats. But um, yeah, I don't eat it too often now, but that's kind of where, where I came at. But you can definitely eat a vegan diet. Um, and eat it in a healthy way. You just have to be mindful of the macro and micronutrients for sure. For sure. And, you know, there's always that, that extra level that a lot of people, in you know, so many things and a lot of people don't think mm-hmm. about it um, because I had that view as well of, you know, the vegan diet of, oh, it's healthy, right? And then yeah. I realized, like, well, I guess technically French fries can be vegan, right? And are vegan, right? And so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> seeing some people and talking to some people and, um, that, you know, didn't, didn't do a lot of that homework and didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of intentionality behind it and kind of fell into that, you know, a similar sort of trap that, you know, you fell into of, oh, Oreos are vegan. And so therefore I can eat them and I'm being healthy because I'm vegan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah super definitely. cool. Um, I also think, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. One other thing was diet is a very personal thing. And I think at the time when I was vegan, my values lied in a different place. And then I transitioned into realizing that I really have to take care of myself and my health. And that had to put other things below it, unfortunately. Um, And so that is also too why I kind of transitioned. I don't know if that made any sense, but I was trying to make a point there. Um, (laughs) No, No, I guess for sure. Um, Backing up a little bit. um, So in your family, are you an only child or do you have any siblings? I am the youngest by a lot. I was the the gift from God, as my mother likes to say. I was very much an accident. So okay. <laughs> my siblings are quite older than me, yeah. Okay. And um, if you don't mind, I just want to ask a little bit, because you said that your parents did end up getting divorced. Um, however, it brought a lot of, uh, you know, almost clarity to a lot of those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind talking about that really quickly? Because I, I know that there are a lot of people um, that have gone through you know, their parents getting divorced. Um, I've been blessed where, you know, my parents are still together, but I do think it is, you know, a very tough time for anybody going through it. And I think a lot of people go through it. Um, and a lot of times, you know, the kids sometimes get left behind, right. With the parents, you know, so focused on each other. Um, so yeah, just anything that comes to mind on that time period, you know, um, you know, how it affected you, if there were any strategies that helped you get through it, um, if you're able to pull any silver linings from it, anything like that. For sure. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is honesty, which I think I'm, I mentioned before. Just with my parents 
having a really beautiful relationship when they were together. Truly, it was something I look up to. But then coming to terms with realizing that to go forward, they need to go separately. And just being honest about that, because I feel sometimes no matter how long you've been together or what age you're at, um, I personally feel sometimes people will remain in relationships out of fear, out of fear of judgment, or just it's hard going through a divorce. I couldn't imagine it would be hard. Any sort of breakup is hard. And so just having the honesty to say going forward, I need to do this alone and um, really prioritizing that as well. With my father, I actually, I was quite young, so I was about 12 and I said we're a close family, but I was really more like a mama's girl, whereas through the divorce, there was a lot of hard conversations, a lot of difficult conversations, but in the end, my dad and I's relationship really formed the foundation that it is today, and he's someone, both of my parents are just influential in my life, um, so that was one thing, and then amongst my siblings, just the morale between us, it was something we all were going through together, and only we could relate in the experience that we had together because we have our parents. And um, again, it just built the foundation for a relationship I'm really proud and really honored to have with both my siblings today. Going through it, advice, man. Um, I know this is difficult for some people and it completely depends on the age and other factors. But as a child, if you can remain out of it, that would be my number one thing. Just it's between your parents and put up boundaries for yourself if you're old enough to say like this isn't between me and and my father or my mother like you guys can talk directly or you guys can sort it out yourselves and no it's not about you either it's between them for sure and I think that's such a such a tough thing to do though right you know definitely (laughs) yeah I would have done that playing the if game right if Mm -hmm. I would have done this maybe this wouldn't have happened so Mm -hmm. um, yeah that's really really good advice and thank you for sharing that And, um, you know, you brought something up that I've been, you know, kind of going into a lot the last call it year of boundaries, um, because I came to realize that I was absolutely terrible at them and they were (laughs) non-existent. (laughs) So yeah, I was just kind of curious your relationship with boundaries, you know, is it something Mm -hmm. that you've, you have been working through? Is it something that you're now better at? Have you always had kind of a knack for implementing them when you didn't even realize it? Good question. Really good question. Um, I would be probably the same as you. It's something I've only really explored recently. And I'm very much at the beginning of that journey. Um, Especially with the divorce thing with the parents. Now that I'm getting older, I was quite young then. So I didn't know to speak up and to um, say that I could like I could say no. No is a complete sentence. That's that's been my logo lately. Um, <laughs> slogan, I mean, not logo. But boundaries. Ooh. <laughs> um, I would say a lot of times I'm afraid to put up boundaries if I'm just being vulnerable right now because I think that putting up boundaries with certain people is going to remove them fully from my life. Yeah. So. I, I can't really speak to it further, man. I'm, I'm really trying to navigate myself. I'm 22, so I feel like a baby. And yeah, but I'd love to hear like genuinely yeah. how has boundaries been for you, especially in the past year? Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, kind of what you said there was uh, really resonated with me um, because, you know, in my life uh, growing up for, you know, most, call it 20 years, basically, mm-hmm. um, you know, unconscious feelings that if I wasn't perfect, um, people wouldn't like me, right? Oh. And mm-hmm. so putting up a boundary, you know, isn't perfection in their eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Doing something for myself and something going against maybe something that they want or they need. And mm-hmm. so, you know, in my subconscious, I go, well, I can't do that because then they won't like me, right? If I say no mm-hmm. to them, they won't like me, right? And mm-hmm. so that has really been, it was always assumed worst case scenario. And it's so fun, right? With like things that are so minuscule when you look at them, but you make them into a huge deal in your head, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know what? Actually, I don't, I I don't feel like going out tonight, right? Or I don't feel like hanging out. You know, I need some me time. You know, I can't say that to somebody, you know, our friendship Mm -hmm. will be over. I don't want to hang out one time and, you know, they're never going to talk to me and catastrophizing it like that. And so, you know, it's really been bringing it back, um, to even just the small steps for me. And that's really helped me on 
my journey the last year of working on them is taking those tiny little boundaries and steps and seeing that it's all okay. Right. And a huge one has been with my family um, that I started implementing some boundaries with them and especially like with my sister and um, (laughs) you know, it scared the shit out of me to be honest. And then it's like, Oh, this is okay. Like interesting. (laughs) Maybe I can do this. Right. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, still very much working through it, but that is where a lot of my, you know, relationship with boundaries came from. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it even makes those relationships stronger though as well at the end of the day because you're showing up as your more authentic self and also too you're not there's no resentment because you're being honest and you're asking for what you want from it as well so i respect that thank you yeah and it you know it feeds into this other idea that um you know i've been thinking a lot about the last year or so um and it's the idea and i'm not gonna lie i stole it from gary b but you know it's totally being selfish to be selfless Right. Mm. And, you know, for me being quote unquote selfish of putting up that boundary because I need to, you know, fill my cup or I need to do it for my mental well being actually allows me to be better in those relationships for the other people. Right. With me being more solid, with me being, you know, having the more energy, having a fuller cup, I'm able to then share in those relationships. And it's like you said, it's actually been beneficial, right? Of putting in those boundaries and doing things for myself has actually made those relationships a lot stronger. I feel like you're speaking to me like directly <laughs> right now. Like this is really resonating. And it's as Andy says, like um, I might demolish it or he shares a lot about pouring from a full cup or, a, yeah. or an overflowing cup, right? I'm yeah. demolishing. Yeah. 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 That's something that in the, especially in the past few months has definitely been something I'm trying to remind myself for sure. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he talks about that a lot. And yeah, you know, the idea that you can't pour from an empty cup. That's right? it, yes. You have, to, yeah. you have to fill your own cup first um, mm-hmm. before you pour it into others. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, I would love to hear more about the trip to Australia. So you were there for two totally. years. Um, yes. Why did you go? What did you learn? Um, yeah, just kind of talk about it. Totally. Um, so I had a calling to Australia since I was 17. I truly don't know what pushed me to go there. Um, It might have been movies I watched as a kid. And so I was going to go at a really young age of 17 when I graduated and then other things happened in life. And I was graduating um, nutrition school. I had gone through a breakup. I was fully solo because I knew when I went, I wanted to be like no ties. And that was kind of coming up in my life. So I booked a one-way trip there. I didn't really know what I was going to do. I <laughs> didn't know a single person and I just started Googling things. I, I love the platform of, sorry, of YouTube. I know that sounds odd, but it just exposed me to different ways of living. And so I would watch people that live in Australia and see where they were. And then I'd Google like different suburbs that they were in. And then I booked my flight to Australia and I arrived there and I started my journey doing woofing for the first month. Okay, what's so, woofing? Woofing, I don't know what the, it's W-O-O-F. I'm not sure what the acronym stands for, but it's essentially working for accommodation, okay. normally on farms. So I was working in the Daintree Rainforest. So I did that from the first leg of my time there. And um, it was an insane experience, but I was doing housekeeping there because I was in a little kind of cabin retreat area. And so um, one of the main things you asked, like, what were some of the things I learned while I was there? And I, I could fill your whole day talking about things I learned. But I think initially the one thing that really kept resonating for me straight away was becoming comfortable being uncomfortable was huge for me because when you go traveling, every day is completely different. It's unknown. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what experience you're going to end up in. And your brain gets scared because it can't picture where it is you're headed to. And so that was something that was really instrumental for me. And just realizing that that's how you grow is stepping into that uncomfort and facing the uncomfort, you know? And, um, that's really when I felt like I, I began to build a stronger connection with myself as well. And another thing that was really 
a big lesson, especially at the beginning, was realizing by being my authentic self and um, showing up as I am, because again, I had nothing to hide behind. I had no job. You have the clothes on your back. Like you're just you. You're Emma from Canada. Being my authentic self was finding individuals that resonated with who I was and wanted to be friends with me, if this makes sense. Because just throughout my life, I never really, I struggled to connect with individuals. I had like one friend growing up and then otherwise I spent a lot of time flying solo. So discovering like-minded people was really um, an amazing time. But I didn't really talk about actual Australia, but yeah. (laughs) No, no, that's okay at all. But yeah. You know, a question for you is, do you think that it was easier to be your authentic self there because you didn't have, call it the the baggage? Oh, yeah. When you're here of, you know, you've established yourself as this person, right? This is how people know me. Do you Mm -hmm. think that, is that what made it easier? Or was it more just that conscious decision that that's what you were going to do going in? No, that definitely made it easier. Um, And with reflection now, being home for almost a year now, stepping outside of the bubble of Calgary that I always was born and raised in and um, stepping outside of my family and being on my own two feet, having no labels or attachments behind me was instrumental in in defining who I am today for sure. Yeah. I recommend anyone going traveling because you can be whoever you want, even if who you were, I'm Emma who likes purple today I can drive I can take a flight up to like Queensland and I can be Emma that likes yellow and no one knows and so you can try different hats with your identity and I don't mean being inauthentic but just reflect different sides to of yourself to people and see like do I feel comfortable with this do I identify with this and just kind of navigating with that love that yeah and, um, you know, I, I find that even on a much smaller scale, but with new mm-hmm. relationships, whether that's friendships or work relationships, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, you know, as opposed to people that you've known for a really long time. Yes. And, you know, I almost refer to it as like, they know old Jared, right? Because I've gone mm-hmm. through a lot of growth and a lot of changes, you know, in the last couple of years. And, you know, they know me as old Jared and these new people, you know, just know new Jared. And so sometimes there's a little bit of a disconnect or, you know, you feel like you almost have to fit into that character, that role that you've always played, right? And mm-hmm. it's, it's funny too how sometimes there's a friction when you try to step out of that role. Yes. Right? Of the other people going like, no, no, that's not what you do. Like, you know, <laughs> you know you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to say that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's super cool. The other one- Can I ask you a question? Oh, go on. Sorry. Oh, go I want to ask you a question about that. Do you find that you- have to step back sometimes in your relationships and how you view people that you've known for a long time and the expectation and the identity you have around them, you know, and how, and how, how do you do that? Yeah. You know, that's, that's so interesting because I haven't actually turned it around on myself, mm-hmm. right? but maybe, maybe you're doing it and you're unconscious of it. Yeah. And that's, you know? that's why it's so funny. I'm so glad that you mm-hmm. asked that because, you know, I just thinking about it, I think that I do. Right. Mm-hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's just, it's almost that default setting of how I've always known this person and therefore, you know, this is what I come to expect. This is how I'm going to interact with them. This is what I expect them to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, yeah, I'm actually super grateful for you asking that question. And I'm, I didn't mean it in an accusatory way. I'm asking because now that you said that, I'm, I'm going to be more mindful of it myself. No, yeah. exactly. And it's, yeah. it's not accusatory at all. It's, you know, it's bringing awareness to it, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we get so focused on ourselves, right? Of mm-hmm. like, I'm the one that's been changing. I'm changing the rules, you know. Um, other people are looking at me that way and realizing that it is always a two-way street as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that's actually something I'm going to reflect on a little bit more. <laughs> I found that as well when I went away and I came back. I had been gone for two years and absent from my friends' lives for two years. Yeah. And I was trying to fit myself back in the box of our relationship as to what it was before I went away. And I was like 19 when I went away. I was a baby. And so now it's like almost rebuilding this relationship with these individuals from scratch is what I'm trying to do. But it took me a lot of times trying to fit something in that didn't work. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that resonates a ton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I, really, I think those are 
you know, actually I had a, I had a conversation, um, with another guy, Benji, um, Mm -hmm. this earlier this week. And we talked about how relationships never end. They just change. Ooh. Right. Mm -hmm. And keeping that in mind that it's, you know, the relationship is changing and it's always going to change even minusculely. Um, and sometimes that means that the closeness goes away. And sometimes that means that you can grow together and the whole relationship can change, whatever that looks like. Um, I think also putting the pressure, not putting the pressure on it, excuse me, of, well, we've been friends for this long and therefore we have to be yep. friends always, right? Yep. You know, you can always be friends for sure, but maybe it looks different and being okay with reimagining how that looks, I think is huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you grow, when you, like you were saying, like you're being more honest, we are talking about boundaries, but like when you're being more authentic with yourself and so is the other person, this is any relationship, you'll be growing together when you meet and you have a friendship, but if you're both being honest, and you both grow in the same direction, that, that's such a beautiful thing, you know? So you're saying sometimes they just change. And so when these some relationships change where you're going different directions, it really also makes you appreciate the ones that you're growing in a similar direction too. For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to touch on is you said being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's such a big lesson. Um, and yeah, and can you, like, how has that helped you in your everyday life after that? Um, totally. Because I went through some, went through some, a very similar learning with that lesson. And mm. I think that it's one of, call it like my best superpowers now, mm. uh, you know, being okay with that. And so, yeah, right. just if you could go a little bit deeper into that um, and then I'll kind of share where where that's helped me. Please do. Yeah. I love that you called it a superpower. That's exactly (laughs) how I feel. I feel like it was a bit of a hack on life. And um, I read the book before I went to Australia, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, I believe is the title of it. And um, there's actually a a book in, I have it behind me, or a quote in The Will to Change. And it's just essentially saying like, the only thing definitive of of change is that like, it's a constant factor. And so with that, becoming comfortable being uncomfortable there's a lot of things in life that make you uncomfortable and usually the only way to move through it is leaning into that uncomfort otherwise you're going to remain stagnant and to me growth is such a important thing in my life and whenever i feel as though i'm not growing i freak out <laughs> because when you're not growing you're dying is that is the term right and so um there are moments where there's many moments. There could be moments every day where you feel uncomfortable for some people. But just stepping into those, you realize how unscary these things really are. And then it's just little tiny steps. So it's stepping out and, and talking to a new person. It could be really scary. But then that could lead to you going to a job interview that you would have been scared for. And these things can add up. And that helps to define who you are as a person, but also to build like your dream life in a way. So. Um, would be what I would say to that. Uh, It was just, yeah, it was just constantly being thrown out of the nest. And so it's even manifested into creating my podcast. Like I was so scared to do it. it, Uncomfort can be fear. And I was so nervous to do it. And you said, I'm the first person outside of your bubble or or your circle. Sorry. Um, Mine was like straight away. The third person I interviewed, I didn't know. It was a complete stranger. And I spoke to her via Instagram and I was so uncomfortable. And I was like, I wasn't secure in the podcast yet. I was just starting it. I knew nothing about technology, but I just said, you know what? It's going to be uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for everyone the first time they do something. So you just got to you just got to get that uncomfort out of your system almost. Yeah. yeah. But how did it, how did it manifest for you or what was the lesson that really pushed you over the edge? Yeah. I love that. And I, I don't know if it was a specific lesson. Um, mm-hmm. I Same. probably, you know, one of my first, I guess call it my second job and my first mm-hmm. kind of, you know, foray into entrepreneurship. Um, of I worked for one of the student painting companies and that made me uncomfortable every single day. And I had a new obstacle to overcome every single day. And I loved every second of it, actually. Well, look, not, every, great. not every second, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, it was, you know, why I call it a superpower is it's almost, you know, a mindset shift as well. Yes. Uh, you know, 
being comfortable with being uncomfortable to me, you know, almost creates this unconscious um, confidence in your skills that you will be able to figure it out, right? Of instead of focusing on the fear of I've never done this before, I don't know what I'm doing, like I don't know if I can do it, um, you know, switching that to I don't know what I'm doing, but I can figure it out, mm-hmm. right? and I mm-hmm. can figure it, and mm-hmm. it'll all be okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I've faced challenges and I haven't faced this specific challenge. However, all of those past experiences will help me in facing this new challenge that I'm going into. So, um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's funny enough, like for me, I get very bored if I'm not growing quote unquote. Right. Yes. So I very much need something new, something exciting for me. It's learning actually. Like I just love to learn new things and it's, super random all over the map, no matter what it is, like every subject that you can think of. Um, but I'm, <laughs> I'm relating so hard right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's learning new things. And as soon as I fall into, um, you know, routine, I start being like, I start getting that itch. I'm like, okay, I need something new. I need something new. I'm getting bored. Right. Like now I know how to do this. And it's so funny too, where, Um, you know, I'm very much of, I don't like to quote unquote master anything, right. Where I'll, you know, I just in my logical brain, I put it into percentages of, I like to learn up to 90% of anything. And that last 10% doesn't interest me. Right. Of, you know, going that, I, I almost think of it as like a PhD, right. Of people that go and will study something for, 10, 20, 30 years of their life on one specific subject or an animal specifically to know everything there is to know or as much as they possibly can. To me, that's that extra 10%, right? Where I'm like, you know what? I want that undergrad. I'll, I'll get that kind of 101. I'll know 90% of it. I won't know everything, but I'll understand a lot of it. And that's good enough for me. Because you also want to learn about other things. And yeah. if you were to go further, sometimes that would take up the space for it. Exactly. And, you know, I try to be very conscious in mentioning that I don't necessarily think one is wrong or right as well. And I think it's, you know, being okay because, you know, the one that always bugs me, the saying is, um, you know, what a jack of all trade is a master of none. Right. Mm. And almost the humanization of being a generalist, right. And focusing on one thing and specializing in it. And again, it's not that I think that's wrong. I think that some people love to specialize in one thing, love to, you know, spend their entire life on a subject or an interest or whatever it might be. And I think that's great. And at the same time, I think that it's also great if you want to be a generalist, if you want to learn about a wide variety of things. So mm-hmm. yeah, I always make sure to mention that as well. I love that because <laughs> that's how I feel. And I'm trying to find this one thing and maybe, maybe in the future there will be, but I like that I, I am interested in different things and none of them connect sometimes, right? Um, I completely agree with you. Even the, the thing touching on if I'm not growing and I'm stagnant, for me, it, it also affects my mental state as well. Like in 2019, I was living in a beautiful area in Australia. I was living in Sydney at Coogee Beach, like living this life that I always imagined. And I was not happy. I was not fulfilled. I was in a really bad place mentally now looking back. And it was because I wasn't growing. I was stagnant for months on end. I had my job figured out. I was locked into a relationship and it was just, I was never pushed to be uncomfortable. And now that I'm out of that time in my life, it's something that I'm constantly forcing myself to be mindful of and like, okay, have I done something that makes me feel uncomfortable lately? Have I grown? Have I had the difficult conversations? And um, the podcast has been something that I really have been so glad I have it because it's something that is constantly forcing me to be uncomfortable and to push myself. And as you said, to learn new things as well. So I love that. Um, Yeah. And you know, you said you weren't in a great place mentally and, you know, something that I've really dug into recently is my mental health and, um, you know, talking to other people and having those kind of deeper conversations, those un- uncomfortable conversations. Um, you know, what, what is your relationship with mental health and your own mental health? You know, it sounds like you're very good at reflecting, right. Of reflecting, mm-hmm. and, you know, during that time where you were at, um, you know, have you 
have you been able to start to recognize them sooner? Um, you know, when you're in those states, you know, have you, has it been just kind of a natural progression of being more aware of them or did you make, you know, a very deliberate, um, you know, focus on, on, you know, looking at that, your mental health and your mental well-being? Mm -hmm. Mental health is something that I fortunately don't struggle with to the extent that I know a lot of individuals. I want to say that at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very, very fortunate with that. It's something though that I do try to be proactive about it because even if I may not struggle with depression, we all have our ups and downs and we all have our low moments. So with being proactive, um, I'm very mindful of like a morning routine and implementing habits that are really beneficial and essential for my mental health, as well as um, understanding what relationships are positive for my mental state. So, yeah, my I'm coming back to the question. Sorry, <laughs> that was just my the you were asking um, my like my relationship with my mental health. Was that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, it became probably predominant um, becoming just even just aware of my mental state and that I can shift it. Sometimes some people can't, and you need you need some added help, but. Most of the time, for most people, you can. And so with that was kind of when I began my spiritual journey and it began discovering the world of self-development and self-improvement and that your thoughts create your reality and your thoughts can, can change. You can shift your change, you, or sorry, you can shift your thoughts and you can shift your mindset. So during the time when I was kind of struggling with the mental health, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. No, that's okay. I'm following you. <laughs> Can you come back to the question? I'm sorry, yeah. Jared. No, no, no. That's, that's okay. And I, I think a lot of a lot of it in kind of what you're getting to is awareness around it, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Conscious effort towards it. Um, yeah, you know, and it's actually it's just it's funny how you started out, and it's something that I do a lot of times as well. You know, where you mm-hmm. you kind of qualified it as you know I don't struggle as much as some other people. And Mm -hmm. why that kind of ticked in my brain is because I've had a very interesting relationship with call it like depressive episodes, right? Where, you know, I've never been call it diagnosed and like I've, I've been seeing a therapist for a couple of years now and it's never been, you know, something that we've very specifically touched on of like being um, diagnosed with depression or anything like that. Um, However, I do have depressive episodes right? Where, you know, sometimes for a week or a couple of weeks at a time, I'll just have this overwhelming down feeling, right? Where I'll be down all the time for no reason. Um, and yeah. And so, you know, that was something that I realized the first kind of, again, call it episode was, um, I think my first year university and I had just broken up with um, my longtime girlfriend that we were dating in high school and then into that first year university. And, um, you know, that, that whole like first love kind of thing. Mm-hmm. First mm-hmm. Relationship. And, you know, looking back on it, it wasn't a great relationship. Um, however, it really put me into that space where for a couple of weeks, it was really just that overwhelming cult, like almost a cloud over me. Right. And it, but at the same time, there's this feeling of, well, I don't want to, you know, say that I struggle with depression because I know a lot of people really struggle with it. And um, yeah, and so I don't, I don't know why, but it always, it's an interesting conversation I have with myself a lot of times of, you know, do I need to qualify it? Why am I qualifying it? And, you know, not wanting to take away from what a lot of people struggle with and, you know, really struggle with. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, still acknowledging that I struggle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's been something for me. Like, as you could tell how I talked about it, like I was getting uncomfortable. And it's because I always will, if I do talk about it with other people, it's always saying, oh, I'm feeling really blue, but the sun's shining, so I have no reason to feel that way. I live in Canada. I'm so privileged. Ra rah, rah. But Sometimes in order to move through it, you need to accept it and acknowledge it and be like, I'm feeling blue. I'm just going to feel blue for these few days. And again, I'm not speaking from a place of depression. I'm speaking just from a place of like a low moment. 
as well at the same time I'll, I'll say oh I'm feeling a bit blue but I am not like xyz who is actually struggling with depression and I'm just putting myself down and putting down how I'm feeling and the things that I'm going through and feeling quote-unquote guilt for it so that's been something I've been trying to personally navigate if I'm being vulnerable but I'm coming to realize that by denying myself of feeling that way and allowing myself to feel that way and talk about it with other people it's just hindering myself and making the process and the feelings go on perpetuate for longer than they need to yeah yeah I think that's been one of the biggest breakthroughs for me is just allowing myself to feel it right Mm -hmm. you don't need that justification you don't need that right um a big one that I've talked about a lot is removing the shouldn'ts and the shoulds, mm, right? Mm-hmm. I shouldn't feel this way because I'm blessed because I live in Canada, but I do feel mm-hmm. this way and mm-hmm. that's okay. And I'll allow myself to feel this way. And I'm going to, you know, go deeper and see, you know, is there a specific trigger um, for this of why it's coming up or, you know, is it something that I can't recognize or am I just off? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny. I don't know why in my brain, but it came back to that. Um, what you said earlier of no is a complete sentence. Right. Yes. And that same <laughs> yeah. idea of you don't need to justify it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like sometimes you can just be, you can just say no because you don't want to, you don't need a reason. Right. Um, you can feel down because you're feeling down. You don't need to have a reason. It doesn't need to be this earth shattering, you know, life event that has brought you down. So it's acceptable. You know, sometimes you're just having a bad day. Sometimes you're having a bad week Um, and recognizing it, accepting it, um, not pushing it down, which is a big one for me and allowing yourself to work through it. Right. And I was talking about this. I can't remember when, I think it was a couple episodes ago, but you know, I, it's checking in with myself of sometimes it's just a day. Sometimes I'm just having a down day. It's like, okay, I'm having a down day. Let's go to bed. Let's see how we feel tomorrow you know, nine times out of 10, it's gone, right? It's a new day and it's fine. When it starts becoming, you know, um, an extended period of time, it's like, okay, now let's really look into this, right? Let's see what's Mm -hmm. going on. Is there something that I need? Is there something um, to look into? And just keeping it in that consciousness, so. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah, for sure. How, How do you check in with yourself? So do you do it in a meditation pre post or during do you journal about it do you speak with like people you you um feel comfortable with or like how do you explore that with yourself for sure yeah i and i don't know if this is quote unquote normal but i have conversations i love it if it's not normal (laughs) (laughs) i'm constantly talking to myself in my head like my Mm -hmm. brain i'm just always always talking and now that i have consciousness around it i'm a lot better at being like oh wait a minute like, I'm feeling weird. Like, what's this mm. weird feeling? Oh, okay. Is it sadness? Is it, you know, something bothering me? And so just checking in with myself. Um, I'm really bad for meditation. I have tried to do it every once in a while. Um, during quarantine, actually, I was doing it quite consistently and it was really helping me. And then I kind of lost interest in it. And um, I'm very much in my head all the time. And so I don't journal a ton. It is something that's helped me when I can't get something out of my head. I'll put it down mm-hmm. on paper and just to get it, you know, out of my brain kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and a huge one too is just talking to people that I really trust and am close with. Right. And mm-hmm. so um, probably the biggest one for that is my men's group um, that I'm a part of with Andy and Nuke um, and some other amazing gentlemen. And um, also even my sister is a big one to a different degree. I'll call it where. Our okay. Re- has changed a lot over the last couple of years and we've become a lot closer and it has become a place where I'm starting to share as well instead of mm. only, you know receiving that energy I'm now starting to um, be a lot more open and honest with her as well of hey like I'm not feeling I'm feeling this way right mm-hmm. and so that's been a really interesting one but has been super helpful for me did you find that like are you an older brother or younger brother I'm older brother so did you find that you couldn't, was it like a masculine thing where you can't really share how you're feeling, but also too, you have to be the older brother. You have to pull your sister through the hardships. You can't have her to lean on. Did, was that like a factor in your relationship? And then maybe once you became adults, you're more equal or, or why did you feel you couldn't yeah. talk yeah. to her? 
Um, it's actually, it is, it's something that has flown through my entire life of, I've okay. always had very uneven relationships and interesting. Uh, yeah. Starting to realize interesting that, word. Yeah. I want you to explore that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm like going on a tangent. <laughs> no, no, no. Tangents are great. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. It's so in every relationship that I've ever had friendship, you know, work, uh, romantic, whatever it might be. I have always been, call it like the quote unquote emotional rock, right? Mm. I've always been, you know, the one that will receive energy, like, you know, bring me your issues, you know, whatever it is you're struggling with, I'll help. And I will never tell you what I'm struggling with. I will never need anything from you, right? Like I'm here to give to you. I'm not here for you to give to me. And a lot of that came from, again, you know, what we talked about a little bit earlier is that idea of perfection of if I ask for something from you, it means that I'm not perfect. And, you know, subconsciously, I think that that means um, you won't want to have any sort of relationship with me anymore. Um, And so it was also the seeking for approval, right? of here I'll help you do this I'll help you do this I'll help mm, you. yes um, yes you know let me show you my worth let me show you my worth by helping mm-hmm. you or by um, being there for you whatever it might be um, so it's kind of an overarching you know theme to my life and something that I've put a lot of um, consciousness into changing of you know bringing relationships to even and equal relationships instead of always uneven Mm-hmm. Um, with my sister specifically, um, we had a very, very bad relationship growing up. Um, okay. you know, call it, you know, I always, to put it into perspective for people, um, I tell them we lived in the same house and didn't speak for five years. Right. And, uh, unless we were fighting mm-hmm. and, um, you know, she's gone through a ton in her life. She's had a very difficult life. Um, And, you know, for me, it was always the feeling of not wanting to overwhelm, right? Of Mm. you started to repair that relationship. And now like, you know, we're best friends of, you know, she's probably the closest person to me. And so we've really, you know, turned it around. However, there is still always that. I don't want to overwhelm her like, oh, she already has so much going on. I don't want to add to it. And therefore, you know, I'll just, I'll help her. And Mm. It was, it was so funny too, if, you know, like we've talked about a couple of times where bringing that relationship a little bit closer to even and me sharing um, with her things that I struggle with or by me putting boundaries up with her has actually made that relationship so much stronger, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all. Thank you for sharing that. I know that would, would have been very personal, so I appreciate that. <laughs> no, not at all. That's, you know, that was a big... I mean, yes, it was personal, but that is a big thing that I have, again, put a lot of um, conscious effort into of, you know, being vulnerable in front of people, again, to work at that idea of perfection, of, you know, showing off my flaws, showing that I'm not perfect, putting them out. And, you know, for me, that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast is I was always so afraid to put myself out there to be judged, to, um, you know, quote unquote, look stupid or to screw up Mm -hmm. or to fail at something. And for me, I'm very much all or nothing. Right. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put, you know, a lot of my insecurities out there for the world to see, you know, um, and again, always catastrophizing that and then doing it and being like, oh, look at that. It wasn't that bad. (laughs) And so (laughs) it's, it's been a very healing process for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, And again, with practice, it's become easier and easier. And so, you know, I'm able to talk about that relationship with my sister. Um, Mm -hmm. There's still things that I won't go into, you know, kind of publicly, let's say. Um, Totally. However, you know, for those people that I'm super close with, you know, like, especially the men's group, which has been immensely helpful for my mental health. It's crazy where, you know, now I've known those guys almost a year and they know every single deep dark secret about me every single one ones that I thought I was going to go to the grave to um that I could never show with show to anybody or tell anybody about because you know how could anybody ever accept me if they knew these things about me um and sharing those and I call it getting the poison out 
right? Mm-hmm. And seeing that I can still be loved and even liked that, you know, showing these imperfections and these people, these men still care about me has been huge. And so trying to show other people how healing that is by doing it, um, not only to heal myself, Publicly. but to show other people that, you know, you can put these things out and you can talk about these topics. So. Mm-hmm. I love that. And like, I think it was Nuke that said like leading with vulnerability. That was something that resonated with me. Like, it's, I think that's, it's a beautiful, it's what you're doing. And I think it's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing tangent. I loved that. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, kind of want to back up a little bit though. And going back to yep. Australia and another question I had about it. Um, and first off being, would you classify yourself you know, as an extrovert or an introvert, or how do you think about that? Mm. And, you know, the reason being, and where where my question is going with this is, you know, it's it's interesting even hearing you say that, you know, you only had really one close friend growing up, right? You didn't have a huge group of friends. And then all of a sudden you move across the world and have to meet new people and make friends. And, you know, a lot of people are scared shitless to do that here where they live, let alone Mm -hmm. like, somewhere where they don't know anybody. So just talking about that and how your journey worked with that. Totally. I'm obsessed with the introverted, extroverted question. The Myers-Briggs personality test is like my favorite thing. I make all of my friends do it. Um, (laughs) To give you like break it down in numbers, I am, and the only reason I'm highlighting this is because I think it's really descriptive into who I am and my personality. When I took the Myers-Briggs test, for example, I was 51% extroverted and 49% introverted. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's me. So I can present myself as very extroverted and personable and I can put myself out there. I, I don't feel uncomfortable with that. Throughout my life, I've always kind of been really like secure in myself. And Growing up, I did just have one friend mainly, but it wasn't from a lack of trying. I went to a really small school until grade nine. And then once I entered high school, I didn't know a single person in my school. And I would go around introducing myself to the different groups of people, but I just felt there was no connection with these individuals. People just didn't resonate with me or I didn't resonate with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I found I'm not a person that likes surface conversation. I get really uncomfortable with that. And I think that is also influential into why I only had one friend because I would try and have conversations with people that would make them feel uncomfortable or they couldn't, you can only meet someone as far as they've met themselves as well. And so that's a more of an introverted tendency is having deeper one-on-one conversations. Cutting to traveling and having to meet new people it wasn't that difficult for me to put myself out there. I was always in jobs where I was doing like sales or hospitality where I had to build those skills throughout my life, especially from the age of 14 to 20 or whenever it was I went to Australia. Mm -hmm. And then it was a matter of sitting in a hostel room and spending the entire day by myself again and realizing that there is literally not a single person I know here. So I have no other choice and literally being physically pushed to meet new people that really helped me to be more extroverted. But once you just do it once, it was like domino effect. I remember I arrived, I landed on the plane. It's something I wanted to do for like nearly three years and I did it and I got there and I had fear. I just was like, oh my God, what am I doing? I called my mom and I was like, mom, I can't do this. Like, this was a joke. What was I thinking? And my mom's just like, okay, Emma, just just go have a nap and talk to me in a minute. And I was like, okay. And I remember... I remember lying on the bed in my hostel. I like, couldn't sleep. And this girl walks into my room, into my like hostel room. And she's like, oh, like you're not Sarah or whoever she's looking for. I'm like, oh no, like the first person I've talked to. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, well you sound like me. Like, oh, <laughs> are you Canadian? Cause a lot, there's a lot of English backpackers in Australia. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm Canadian. She's like, me too. Like come with me. And then she's like, come meet all my friends. And I was like, oh my God. And it was just this like moment of like, I'm going to be okay. Like I was just in my own head. Um, but to be honest, like even someone that resonates being more extroverted and doesn't necessarily have a difficult time with that to people that do, it's uncomfortable for everyone. I got to say walking up to a group of people that you don't know a single person and they're all sitting there eating dinner together and be like, hi, it's going to be uncomfortable. But just the more you do it, the more comfortable you will feel doing it. 
in, in a way for sure. I love that. Yeah. Um, just cause I'm curious, what's your full Myers-Briggs for a letter? I'm an ENFJ. ENFJ. I am yeah. INGP. Wait, what? INTP. INTP. Yeah. Ooh. What is the like word for it? Mine's, um, the advocate. What is yours? Mine is the logician. Ooh, um, I don't think I've ever seen anyone with that one. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to look it up after. <laughs> it is so funny because I have always hated personality tests. Really? The first sentence got me and I'm like, shit, like, okay, this is <laughs> where, because, and like hearing you say that, I was like, yes, because literally <laughs> the um, first sentence I believe is something along the lines of the logician is a very um, rare personality type, which is good because they would hate nothing more than be, to be considered common. <laughs> oh. like, yeah, that's me. Uh, I love that. Super cool. Uh, in the last couple of minutes here, I just, um, I want to touch on your podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you know we, we already talked a little bit about kind of why you started it, but maybe go a little bit more into depth there. Why you started it? What are some of the things that you've learned um, from it? You know, if there's any, you know, highlights that you want to bring up, just kind of giving you the floor to, to talk about that in your experience. Doing totally. It. Totally. Um, the medium of podcast was something that was influential in my spiritual journey, spiritual awakening. So I always really resonated with the medium of podcasts and I always wanted to contribute in that way. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but for years I talked about starting a podcast before I actually did it. And so throughout my life, I keep talking about, I flew solo and things like that, but I was always looking for deeper connection. So throughout my life, I found myself trying to have conversations that were not appropriate in certain settings. So I'm asking my fellow employees what their life story is, what their hardships are on a retail floor. That's not a safe space to have those conversations. And as well, um, I wanted to meet new people. I wanted to be forced to meet new people. So coming back to Calgary, especially, I have my circle of friends and I have my little bubble. So I'm not really forced to meet new people because I have all my, my friendship needs met, quote unquote. Having a podcast has allowed me to dive deeper into the conversations that I am having and provide a safe space to really understand what other people's stories. As well, it's allowed me to reach out to new people such as yourself and have create new connections and learn more about other people. And I always say the purpose of my podcast is to broaden my perspective and maybe even yours as well is what I say at the beginning of my podcast, which is through me broadening my perspective and quote unquote publicly learning as we've talked about and asking kind of the dumb questions, but that we all are too afraid to ask. Sometimes I hope that other people can gain value from that and um, learn from that as well. So that was, that was why I created the podcast as well. Kind of behind the name of like the curious one is I'm always curious. I'm curious about everything. I question everything and not from a, um, like a negative light, just like, oh, why? And I would always find myself, I'm the kind of person that has a hundred tabs open on my computer, a hundred tabs open in my Safari on my phone because I'm just innately curious. So I wanted to explore that. And as you, I feel like our podcasts are are very similar. I've really enjoyed um, consuming the content of yours. It's just, I want to learn about different things. Like I'm doing a segment now on autism. I did one on tiny homes. I have all different kind of perspectives and topics. And I love that the medium allows me to explore anything I choose. So I love that. And I think... (laughs) something that hit me so hard and again was, you know, so quote unquote simple is that willingness to ask those stupid questions, right? Of, you know, I went right back to being in class, right? When you're growing up, you know, being in class and you don't want to be the one that puts your hand up and asks a stupid Mm -hmm. question, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's typically the question that 80% of the other people are wondering as well. And so Mm -hmm. I, I love that and I love that view on it. Mm -hmm. And I think you personally, like you have done such a good job of that, especially asking the difficult questions. Your conversations have stirred a lot within me and in a scary, but a good way, like a, like a uncomfortable being comfortable being uncomfortable. So, um, I really respect that. And I, I hope you just keep going with this. I think you're doing a great job. I appreciate that a lot. Um, 
and yeah, and your name really resonated with me of the curious one because that's <laughs> a lot of my questions come from. And again, that idea of mm-hmm. you know, not asking why in a cynical um, yeah. sense where, you know, in reality, it's almost like a why not, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but just generally, genuinely curious about people and about those questions. And that's kind of, you know, a lot of times why I don't like being super scripted because I just kind of let my curiosity lead the conversation. Of, oh, that sounds interesting. That sounds interesting. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah. Absolutely love that. And I appreciate it a ton. Um, before we end here, I just wanted to ask if you had any questions, if there's anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to, anything like that. Nothing that we didn't get to. And I, I know that you did a whole podcast episode on it, but I think that you should share why you created your podcast I, in, in a short summary, because I know you have a whole episode on it, which I've listened to, so people can listen to that. But can you touch on why you created a podcast? Yeah, um, I, get the, I guess the quick summary would be identified um, with my therapist of like one of the things that, the thing that scares me the most and that I actually crave the most is being in the spotlight. Um, I want to be noticed. I want to be seen. Um, and at the same time in my life, as soon as, you know, I'm quote unquote seen, I get super scared and step out of the spotlight as fast as I can. (laughs) Um, and so it was that, you know, the juxtaposition of wanting to be seen and being uh, super afraid to be seen. Um, and so, you know, with that realization and one day she asked me, she said, you know, what is, what is something that you would quote unquote never see yourself doing that you're a little bit interested in. And I was like, you know, putting myself out there, um, being, you know, somewhere in the future, say like a public figure, right? Um, I had no idea for what or anything like that, but you know, the first step of putting myself out there, stepping into that spotlight. And I was like, okay, well, how could I do that? Right. And a lot of it came from insecurities as well. So, you know, before this, I would post on social media one every couple of years. I would always make the joke of like, okay, I better update my profile picture. You know, it's been two years. <laughs> Your annual, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, just forcing myself um, to put myself out there. And I went, well, how can I do that? I'm like, well, I can talk to people. So I could do a podcast. And I was just like, yeah, basically, fuck it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and um, going in with the fact, or you know, with the reasoning being that it's for me and it's to help me and I would love it to help other people as well. Even if that's just one person, um, even if I get 10 lessons total, you know, it'll be worth it because I want to try it. I want to put myself out there. Um, and it's turned into something that has been very good for my, um, mental health, um, has pushed me a ton to get out of my comfort zone. Um, and yeah, and it's just, and something that I enjoy and so, um, yeah, I guess that's the quick version. I love it. And I'm sure you're the same as me last time. Last thing I know we're, we're closing up, but even if no one was to listen to these conversations and they weren't being recorded, I like, I would be so happy. Like just that in itself, I gained so much fulfillment, so much value, um, from those connections that it's beautiful that I get to share them with other listeners, but at the core of it, just building that connection is great. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, for sure. And it's so funny of how, as soon as you open yourself up to having conversations like this that are deeper, that, you know, go a layer, a layer down. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I've found it crazy how the conversations I've just randomly f- found myself in. Yes. And, um, you know, an example is I think two or three weeks ago now I reached out to a guy that, you know, I sort of knew from a couple years ago. Um, always just kind of liked him. Right. And another big, uh, focus in my life right now is just, reaching out to people, catching up with people and, you know, quote unquote networking. And, you know, I was like, Oh, maybe he, you know, I feel like he'd be a cool person to have on the podcast as well. But, um, so I reached out and like, yeah, let's go for a drink and hadn't talked to him in a couple of years and had never known him past, you know, the surface level, um, had maybe had a handful of conversations in our entire life. And we got into our, childhoods of like all the things we went through and like this extremely deep and interesting and fulfilling conversation. Um, and yeah, like you said, you know, those conversations are fulfilling and I love having them no matter what. And so it's just been cool to open myself up to them. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. 
It's awesome. I love the synergies like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, so last question is, what does this next phase of your journey look like? Ooh. Um, this next phase. I would say it's definitely growing the podcast and exploring it further. As we just keep talking about it, I'm sure it's clear from the conversation. I, I love it. Like I've never found anything that makes me feel and fill needs that the podcast does. So I'm just going to go with that. I'm just going to follow my curiosity and, and see where that leads for sure. It's COVID. So I eventually would like to travel again, but um, I'm just going to stay here while I can. And as well, I was gone for two years. So just rebuilding the relationships with family and my close friends that I have back here in Calgary, for sure. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, where can people find you if they want to connect? Yes. Um, I'm the same as you. I never really use social media. So when I created a podcast, it's kind of now my only form of social media. So I'm at the curious one podcast on Instagram. And then, um, my podcast is the curious one podcast. It's on Google, Spotify, and iTunes as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was absolutely amazing. I loved every second of it. And, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to chat soon. Yes. Thank you, Jared. It was an honor. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Jared, thank you so much for the conversation. Don't forget to check out the Journey with Jared podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor. Until next time, be well.